Hello and welcome to episode 68 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Rob Malteri. Rob is currently running a Kickstarter for The Night Wolf. Rob, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Uh, why don't you lead us off with a little bit about yourself and uh, the Kickstarter you got going on? Thanks, man, and I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Um, so uh, I am a full-time web and craft designer. Um, I have a family, uh, and you know I do this on the side, but I would like to switch that around and do this full-time uh, someday. And uh, you know, I started uh, with comics way back when I was a kid. Um, you know, growing up, I uh, had learning disabilities, uh, attention deficit disorder and dyslexia and I was having trouble and struggling with reading and uh, my mom kind of came up with this idea uh, so she kind of enticed me to try harder with comic books but little did she know that the comic books actually helped me learn how to read um, so comic books have been very influential in my life and I've always wanted to be you know in the business somehow a part of it um, so that kind of led to my uh, going to school for art. Um, originally, I went for uh, computer animation, and then I eventually switched to uh, graphic design, and then uh, also led to uh, web development. And but with all this going on, I still, you know, working on my comic book projects on the side. You know, it's been a long time that I, you know, just continued working at it, and you know, finally, you know. 20 some years later, here I am, you know, putting out my comics. <laughs> cool. So um, where did you go to school? I went to uh, Edinburgh University for my uh, Bachelor's of Fine Arts. Uh, that's where I got my graphic design degree. And then I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh for uh, web development. So um, let me ask you a question before we move uh, beyond the, the fine arts. When you were studying fine arts, was there any... Uh, any professors, any teachers that like look down on uh, comic books as a uh, form of uh, art? Um, not that I'm, not that I recall. I mean, okay. if, uh, you know, most of the time I think, you know, they, especially in the animation department, they encouraged a lot of it because, you know, it, it, for animation, the gesture is still, it's all the same, you know, gesture drawing <laughs> for, you know, and having, um, you know, the angles and everything, you know, from like a human body form and then also, you know, learning how things work in the real world as far as like perspective, you know, it's, so it was kind of like one led to another, you mm -hmm. know, vice versa. So with the, uh, the graphics background, how much of that like goes into like maybe like logo design or like uh, book design? Heavily. I use all of my graphic design skills uh, in everything I do with my comic. I, you know, from my logo, my branding, mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, my Lone Wolf comics uh, branding to the Night Wolf branding and my other characters that I um, eventually would like to put out. Um, you know, they all have their own branded logos, their own look and feel. And then I do the lettering for the books. Um, once I get the artwork back from the artists, you know, I put that all together and that's all in InDesign, which I learned in college, you know, during my uh, bachelor's degree. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so, uh, related, um, last weekend I was at Baltimore Comic-Con and I was talking to a guy who writes his own books, but he also letters them. Um, and I was like, so when you're, when you get a book and you're lettering it, how much do you use that like final pass to um, edit it, change the voice a little bit? So as the writer and the letterer, like you're you're almost like that last step before you go to print. How much are how much are you changing, or how much are you like rethinking things as you as you you know click that button to send it off to to the printer? Um, so I actually have. Uh, made a few changes on the fly while uh, doing the lettering. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's a spatial issue because, um, you know, the, the artwork's so great, I don't want to cover it all up with, you know, word bubbles, especially if it's very wordy at some point. Um, so sometimes, or if something didn't ring right in the placement of the page, mm -hmm. like, if, you know, how you, when you're reading something and if it doesn't flow right, sometimes you have to either change it up or, you know, just cut it out altogether. So I'd say probably 10% of the time I've had to do that. 
Oh, okay. Well, I mean, at least you have that last uh, last check. That's uh, that's uh, a bit of a safety blanket you have there. Yeah, so. yeah, and and that's another reason too why, like, I you know I had such a time crunch the last couple months between web design jobs, um, you know, freelance jobs pay, to pay for the art, um, and then you know doing the lettering. Like, I was considering outsourcing the lettering, but then I'm like, but I like doing it, and it gives mm -hmm. me like, it gave me that same freedom. You know, and that's, I didn't want to lose that. Cool. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's a nice, uh, like I said, that's a nice check that you have, like, right before, like, the, the files go away. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the current Kickstarter, uh, Nightwolf? So uh, my current Kickstarter, it kind of collects issues one through three. It's a mm -hmm. great starting point for new readers because, um, you know, it's, like I said, it's collecting all three issues and it kind of, it comes to a great uh, point in the story. Um, existing readers, uh, that's where they can continue on. Um, the story, you know, at this point, it's it's really getting action-packed. Issue three has the most action that we've seen so far. Um, the first two issues were more story building. Mm -hmm. um, this one is just uh, werewolf fight after another to a werewolf vampire fight. You know, it just, <laughs> it's 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 killer. <laughs> So, like, do are there any influences or um, like stories that you you pulled from to to make this? Or uh... so um, I I'd say a lot of so writing the story has a lot of kind of like personal experience as far as like from like the teenage perspective. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just from like my well, I can't say childhood at this point. It's uh, more like my teenage years. Um, just a lot of like some of the similarities to the character and, and, you know, things I did. And then, you know, it's kind of like also where I wish I was at that point in my age. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I wished I was more popular and that I was, you know, this and that, but um, you know, it wasn't so, <laughs> you know, um, but it also, you know, as far as like, you know, the horror aspect and um, you know, I throw a little bit of comedy in there as well. Um, you know, in general, I think, you know, werewolves have been, you know, one of my all-time favorite, you know, character uh, types uh, from way back, even that far as I can remember, you know, like, you know, just regular wolves, are my, they're my favorite animal, dogs, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that plays a big part in it. And, and then I, in high school, got into uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse. Uh, so it's kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons, except with werewolves and vampires. Um, I think there was another book called vampire, the masquerade, which in, within the same world that, okay. uh, and so it was for me, I, I thought it was awesome. Like how they had like different, you know, it wasn't like you weren't turned as a werewolf. And I thought that was cool, you know, and there was like different cultures of werewolves. It wasn't just, you know, somebody got bitten. Now they're a werewolf. It's they, there's actually like, you know, history behind, you know, uh, an actual living culture. And I, that intrigued me. I actually wish that, uh, White Wolf Publishing wasn't just games. I wanted them to actually put out the stories. <laughs> like, you know, the story arcs that they start you off with before you start playing were like amazing, you know? And it, <laughs> so I really wanted something like that to come out and it never did. So I took it upon myself to, you know, I wanted as a fan, put something out that I thought, you know, I would want to see. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I put my passion in that, you know, as much as I could, you know? So, um, I have a little bit of a question. Um, so you had mentioned that like, from teenage years that you were interested in werewolves how much is that as a parallel of like when you're a teenager you're going through change and a werewolf is going through you know werewolf literally changes from a person to to a wolf like is, is are there parallels there I, I think it could be um you know that was a very awkward stage for me mm -hmm. um you know because growing up i was i was you know one of the I was a chunky kid who got made fun of, you know, and then I, you know, between playing football and, you know, and other sports, eventually I, you know, it was like ugly duckling syndrome for me. I eventually, you know, got to be taller, thinner and more athletic, but it, it took a long time for me to get from that chunky little kid to that, you know, athletic uh, teenager. But even so, like the stigma of 
my, you know, cause I, it was, I grew up with the same kids in a small town. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I got away from the bullying aspect until, you know, I actually, there's times where I actually had to defend myself um, in, in school and from other, you know, from the boys. And, you know, once I got to the point where I was able to stand up for myself, you know, I, they kind of backed down, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of that too, like, um, I think related to that, like that change in myself and, and, and I, you know, I was angry when I was a kid, you know, and then I it's and I think I felt like a werewolf lashing out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think I related to that. Um, and then, you know, and Wolverine was always my favorite character. So I always, you know, associate not really associated myself but like i i could feel that feral rage that he always had so in that you know between his animalistic nature and werewolf's nature i I kind of felt that same i think that kind of maybe played into why werewolves are always more interesting to me than vampires because i guess i could relate more to it cool i could (laughs) so did you almost do like a reverse teen wolf like you were like the you were like the uh the strange-looking fellow who became uh, more aesthetically pleasing, as opposed to like the uh, normal <laughs> person who became a werewolf and was like dunking on the basketball court. Yeah, that's kind of how that was. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the uh, this is the third issue of this series. Uh, what's what's the plan for it? So right now, um, as it stands, I have twelve issues written. Oh wow. Um, yeah, so it, it, I've always planned this to be like an ongoing series. Um, and so the 12 issues are kind of like a season one, of mm-hmm. like if, if you were to put it into like TV terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, uh, this story arc continues through uh, issue 12, and issue 12 is a double-sized issue. And, um, you know, once – and it does, and much like the, uh, you know – the great TV shows that get you hooked that there is a bit of a uh, cliffhanger at the end of issue 12. Okay. um, Which I have issue 13 started and I have a timeline um, figured out for the next few seasons, if you will. Um, You know, once this story arc closes, it opens up into a broader world um, show, you know, the character, you know, leaves the area and travels across the country. And, you know, now that his eyes are open to supernatural and, you know, different things, he uh, gets exposed to more things, you know, and, and what I like about my stories too, is that it's, it's not just supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, I always fantasize about the idea of having fantasy characters in a modern setting as well. So like, you know, I always wondered, well, you know, they, they always portray these elves and dwarves and all these other kinds of creatures like goblins and stuff, orcs, you know, back in the day, you know, why don't we ever see these things now, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and really there isn't a lot of urban fantasy that shows modern day dwarves, elves, orcs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things that I will be throwing in. Um, to future issues as he's exploring this new open world to him um, all these different you know creatures come out of the woodwork so okay so that's pretty cool so you obviously have an endpoint at issue 12 Um, so how much does that help you with the uh, like the breakdown of like issues to like get to that that endpoint at uh, the end of issue 12 um, so it's, it's really, uh, like I said, the 12 issues are done. It's just a matter of getting the funds to continue with the art. Um, you know, I have everything already placed out in the cadence that, uh, you know, it's just, just boom, boom, boom as I can, as I can, you know, and right now mm-hmm. it's kind of like a slow drag. Um, but I feel like once this Kickstarter is done, it'll be more of a snowball effect. And then, you know, I'm hoping at the, after this one funds and I'm it's fulfilled, I can then start working on the next one. And then mm-hmm. it's the snowball effect, um, you know, try and get things out faster. Um, okay. So do you have any plans as like, say like when you get to the, the, the six issue mark, like, like to do like a trade. And then when you get to the 12 issue mark, do like a second trade or anything like that. 
So I thought about doing, since there's 12 issues, um, my thoughts were to go every four issue um, mm -hmm. as, a, as a small trade. So mm -hmm. uh, after issue four, I plan on doing, and I might even do this with, uh, alongside issue four, I might do a, you know, the four floppies and then also offer up as an alternative because I get people asking at Comic-Cons all the time if I had a, you know, trade paperback. Um, collection or not um so i think i might offer that up as an alternative in the next kickstarter mm -hmm. once i have issue four um so it'll collect each one will collect each four issues so that'll be volume one um five through eight will be then you know volume two and so on and so forth okay so that seems like a good plan so the other like tricky part is is like you need to like have a satisfying end to 12, but you also need to entice people to continue at 13. So how do you handle that? <laughs> so um, <laughs> without giving too many spoilers, uh, yeah, sure. it's basically I give them a happy ending mm -hmm. and then I rip it away. <laughs> Very uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, cause it really does. It, you get to the happy ending and then um, something happens and the next thing starts like instantaneous. It's like, you know, you, you, it's like you get that happy feeling and then the next page you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Um, so like if you had to compare your story to like, uh, uh, another story or this meets this, like, what would you say? Um, I'd say, that um relative terms to my story um i'd say it's like werewolf the apocalypse meets buffy the vampire slayer and underworld mixed with 80s horror very cool very cool um so did you have any like books or movies that uh were like a heavy influence on you um I'd say, I mean, like I said, the books that I got through the Werewolf of the Apocalypse were basically heavily influenced how I like my werewolves to look. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think any movie or, um, you know, mo most werewolf things, you know, I don't think in my mind get it right. They're like, some are close. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't care for the ones that they look more like gorillas, you know, um, I, I still enjoy the stories. Don't get me wrong, but I think aesthetically, you know, I, I to me, I like the more, you know, you, you have like the anthro human aspect, but more wolf, like an actual wolf's head with, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, and I, I think underworld gets it close. Um, but I don't think it's, it's not definitely not spot on. Um, you know, I haven't seen, a lot of things that like, you know, except for, you know, a lot of art that I've seen on DeviantArt, um, there's a lot of werewolf artists, I think, that do amazing things. And, uh, you know, I think uh, also the the, um, the wolf characters, I don't think they call them wolves, but in World of Warcraft, I've seen a couple, you know, wearing the armor with, with you know, swords and knives and stuff. I think those are, those are pretty cool as well. Um, but I never got into World of Warcraft, so. <laughs> that's probably best for your comic-making yeah. career. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know what, though? And that's, I think that was a conscious decision because every video game I play has an end. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I enjoy the story arcs. of Like, I don't play, like, multiplayers very often. But any game that I, you know, like Skyrim, um, you know, Elder Scrolls, um, it may be a long game, but it ha there is an end game. You know, and I feel like World of Warcraft is like a never ending thing. And I told myself, if I get into this, my life's over. <laughs> so, yeah, I consciously decided not to play it. <laughs> well, I'll probably date myself on this one, but uh, Final Fantasy VII, I, oh, I love that game. I had to make the conscious decision to unplug my PlayStation so that it didn't fail out of uh, college. And oh, wow. once, once, once it was over, I, I plugged it back in and I finished nice. it. So I, um, I think when that game came out, uh, and so I don't want to date you either, you know, but I think I, I'm pretty sure I was in, I was in ninth grade. Mm -hmm. And so being as a ninth grade, an awkward ninth grader, I had nothing better to do. You know, but sit in my room and draw comics and write stories. Aside from that, 
you know, that was my obsession back then. And there's actually um, going to be, there's a, one of the covers that I want to do for a later issue. Um, like I think around seven or eight, like towards like the end of the story arc, when you get to like where, you know, um, Nightwolf finally gets to where the dark covenant is in the master vampire. Um, you remember where cloud is standing in front of the Shinra building with the buster uh, sword and buster. Yeah. Sword on it. Yeah. He's yeah. just like, looking up at it. Mm -hmm. There's going to be, I, I want to do a cover with like the same, like as an homage to that with Nightwolf with his, uh, the sword that he eventually gets that he hasn't gotten yet. Um, the Wolf's Bane, it's a mm -hmm. magical um, Monokai relic that he gets um, along the way. And uh, that's, it's basically this huge sword, you know, that to a human it's big, but to a werewolf, it's kind of normal sized. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be similar with, you know, with that sword on his back and, you know, staring up at this, this castle. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, so what is, what is the greatest werewolf transformation you've ever seen in, in a movie? Hmm. In a movie. Um, well, while, while you're thinking, I'll, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll pipe in. Um, yeah, right. The, the one in American, or is it American werewolf in London where like uh, his, yeah. like his face is like yeah, cracking yeah. and like stretching like that, that yeah. always freaked me out. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that plays up the horror aspect of that movie very well. And it looks painful. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that's, it's kind of like where a lot of, I think, werewolf movies go from. I think uh, they try to do the, you know, the painful looking thing. Like it is, you know, it, it hurts. And, and I kind of feel like I, I didn't want that to be the case with mine. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wanted him to be able to, to change, you know, at will. You know, and obviously if that's a painful process, you know, then nobody wants to do that. True. <laughs> So yeah, I tried to avoid that part of it. Um, but I, I think um, that's a great one. Um, I also do like how um, they treated it in Underworld. Um, okay. Because it, it was a nice combination between like the digital and the, um, the real effects. Um, you, know, you can actually see like how you know, the muscle clature and, and bone structures are changing as well. Um, I think that is one thing that they did very well with. Are they uh, are they muscular, hunky like teenage boys? Because uh, that might that might bring my wife in because she uh, she's a huge well she was a huge Twilight fan. So are they? You mean, uh, uh, you, you mean in my story or in um, or in Underworld? <laughs> no, no, in your story. I, I'm 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 joking you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the whole growing and stretching one's body does tend to you know make it a little bit more. <laughs> Makes you, it makes you a little bit more buff, yeah. right? There actually, you know, there is a, um, that and the, the, the whole being like part of ha being a werewolf is having super human strength in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, so you kind of notice that like in this issue after his first transformation, um, there's a scene without him, without wearing a shirt and yeah. So your, your wife <laughs> might enjoy that. Okay. You got a, You got another Kickstarter backer there. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So, um, uh, before we move on past the, uh, the, the current Kickstarter, is there anything else you, you want to cover here? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to thank everybody who's been a backer so far. Um, you know, it's been an amazing ride so far. I, I couldn't believe how far, you know, 52%, um, funded already. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I got to thank, you know, my wolf pack, you know, I, I say anybody who's backing, they're a member of my wolf pack. Um, my email list, they're members of my wolf pack. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, I may be lone wolf comics as a publisher because I'm doing it on my own, but you know, my, my wolf pack, I can't do it without them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, I'm not sure if I have this correct, but did you launch before and it didn't, uh, it didn't work out? I did, yeah. So back in 2016, um, I did a similar launch. Um, actually, uh, trying to collect one through three, thinking that it would kind of help push things ahead. Um, but back then, it was 
I only had five pages with the, the current artist. Um, and that was really it. So it was like everything, all the assets I did was around like the character designs and these five pages, Mm -hmm. um, which was the first five pages of the book. And it, so I, I, and another problem I had was that I played the game on hard. I went for a high $20,000 goal. Oh, wow. Yeah. If I would have shot actually, and I ended up raising just a little bit more than 5,000. Um, if I would have aimed for that with one issue, I'm pretty sure I would have been funded way back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, you know, it was, it was a learning lesson, you know, I, I, um, I played the game on hard and I got sent back by the boss level. You know what I mean? <laughs> So I uh, decided um, to start doing the web design freelance jobs to pay for the artists once I kind of got my feet back underneath me. Mm-hmm. And um, th- that's how issue one got published. Um, I started going to Comic-Cons. Uh, I think December 2017 was my first one with my first book and the character designs laid out on my table as prints and posters. And it had a great reception, you know, at that Comic-Con. So that's, then my wife was like, wow, you did so well. Let's figure out how to get issue two funded. And then we took some for my savings and then we, you know, then I made up the rest with um, doing more freelance work. And then I ran a Indiegogo for that, for issue two as a Mm pre-order. And this time I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go for a $3,000 goal, right? And I only made half of that. Um, which was fine because it was enough to get the book printed. Okay. Um, and I got to thank those backers as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm hoping they come back as well. And for this Kickstarter, um, but I know like, you know, from what I've learned, Indiegogo is not as big as a platform as Kickstarter. Um, so that's why I decided to come back to Kickstarter for issue three. Um, you know, when I found, uh, you know, I've, I've been listening to Tyler James's podcast, the comic launch uh, mm-hmm. podcast since my launch in 2016. Um, that's when I first started listening to it. Um, and then kind of, you know, while I was not doing a Kickstarter, I kind of moved away from it, but then went back to listening again when I started thinking about doing it again. And, you know, that's when I've, I think it was last mm, December, I, he, you know, I found one of his, you know, free trainings and, you know, it got me, got me hooked. So then I joined the community and, and then eventually I joined the mastermind group, um, you know, with him and you and other uh, members, you know, to help each other along. And I, you know, it's been, you know, very beneficial. Yeah. So that's a, that's a pretty good transition. Um, both you and I are in that mastermind and it's a, it's a great community to like come together, talk things through and, and support each other. Um, uh, so like uh, how much, how much importance or how much do you feel that like finding your community has helped you with this launch? Oh, I think it's, it's, it's pushed me creatively and you know, as far as like my, where I was, like I've leveled up, you know, I would say when I first started, you know, from nothing, like I was bottom rung, um, joining the community, I I think, uh, it helped me to learn more about what I needed to do, you know, and also take the experience from the people who have already been there. You know, I, you know, you have questions, somebody's probably already asked it and, and somebody else has already figured it out. So, you know, using someone else's experience is always, you know, beneficial and a learning stepping tool. Um, so I think like it really, it pushed me in my creative career far beyond what I would have been able to do by myself. Yeah. Um, I have found that like, uh, like the, 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 the sense of community and like seeing what others are doing, it's, it's, it's both like a, like a sense of motivation but it's also like the ability to like see things and like reverse engineer them to like mm-hmm. figure out like, like little aspects you want to take or a little like things that like might not work for you, but like yeah. you might like want to do like later. So like a lot of that has been very helpful. Oh yeah. I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And you know, and I, what I like about the community too is that like everybody is super supportive. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you have a question, people are there jumping on, you know, and answering or, you know, and I, 
and I have different experiences than you, than you and than somebody else. And, you know, if it's something that's about branding or graphic design or web stuff, you know, I'm quick to jump in and help as best I can give the advice, you know, and same, and if it's something I don't know about, like, you know, I, I, I don't hesitate to ask, you know, and I, I know what I like from a creative standpoint, like visually. So, mm-hmm. but not like, you know, not everybody's appeals are the same. Right. So sometimes, you know, you have to ask that you'd be like, Hey, is this working? And then go from there, you know, and, and it's a lot of the, you know, things that you learn from other people, like help, you know, to better where you are, you know, as long as you are able to take critiques. Yeah. Um, no, I, again, like everybody's very supportive. Like we all like understand that, like, we're all like trying to make our way and like, you know, like even when you make a mistake, it's like, it's the, it's, it's the chance to go back again and reverse engineer that mistake and figure out, you know, on the next launch, like, like how to do it better. Like, uh, you know, my first launch, I, I had like 70 backers and like I went in like, way too I was way too enthusiastic like I'm like you know I'm shipping everywhere um, I'm doing this I'm drawing people into the comics you know uh, I'm doing three I'm doing three covers and then the next one I'm like no that's coming that's coming out that's coming out um, you know I'm not shipping to every country you know uh, you know I have to be strategic about this and so like you know if if you want this and you, you know, you live in Estonia, like, I can't figure out how to get this to you, but I can get you a PDF. And like, that's, that's what I'm going to do. So like, there's, there's, there's a lot of that. And so like, uh, even when we succeed, there's like small failures that Mm -hmm. like, we have to like, um, you know, pick our battles like the next time that we go into it. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, that's, it's at that point, you got to kind of take your, you got to make a, what's it most important to least important. You got to pick your battles. You got to knock down that, that, that list of things that are the important. If you can get to that, the bottom, you know, of your list then cool. But if you can't, you know, it, it is what it is at the end, the end of the day, you know, and as long as you know that you, know, you can learn from the mistakes and move on, um, you know, then you're better for it. Cool. So I have a bit of a, uh, like a creative, uh, process question for you. Uh, both you and I are, you know, family guys that are, uh, working day jobs. Like how do you find the time to, uh, to work on comics and work on creative, uh, stuff? So, um, a lot of my time scheduling in is, um, in the evenings like this late, mm-hmm. you know, when kids are in bed. Um, and if my wife, you know, my wife's made plans, she went out with a friend. So, you know, they went to dinner. And so <laughs> here I am, I'm able to, to do stuff, you know. Um, evenings, usually during a weekday, um, I, I'll try and sneak a few things in here and there. Um, but I typically get up early. Um, like I'll get up around five o'clock um, and, and just hit it hard until I go to work. And yeah. then, uh, you know, during my lunch break, I'll squeeze in as much as I possibly can. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really, you know, and there's those, the, you know, scheduling things and making sure it's there in your calendar Mm -hmm. is a must. Cause if you don't, then you're like, it slips by. You're like, Oh yeah, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. But if you actually go by a routine, it helps a lot. And then, then there's those times where you like, if you find a free moment, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, like I said tonight with my wife being out and the kids are in bed, you know, perfect opportunity. It's like, bam, you know, and I said, pop a little caffeine. Let's go, you know, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll drink my, uh, my coffee and be ready to go for a while. And then, you know, but then there's, there's days too that like I get tired and I can't do it. You know, like you can only focus mentally for so long, you know what I mean? So you got to recharge. And, um, so I think, the, the, you know, I'll, when I'm sitting with, you know, playing with my kids or whatever, it, you know, it's, I get to that point where I'm exhausted, but you know, after they're in bed with my, when I watch TV with my wife, that's my recharge period. And then after that, I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, 
So do you have times like, cause I'm going to, like, uh, for myself, I know that I, my willpower is stronger earlier in the day. Like, so do you, and you said that you woke up, you wake up early and you get at it. So is there like a certain like target that you want to try to get to like earlier in the day? Um, and like yeah, not I, put things off. Yeah. I think, um, the earlier, like when I get up in the morning, I'm probably the most likely to get more done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm more focused at that point. Um, cause as the day goes on, like I said, it's like by five o'clock I'm, I'm brain dead, you know what I mean? And then, yeah. and there's that, you know, then dinner play with the kids and, you know, I don't have to like think, you know, I don't have to think creatively or analytically or anything like that. I can just enjoy mm-hmm. and at that point. And then I get to sit back and relax with my wife for a little bit, you know, watch some, you know, entertainment to kind of get that creative juices flowing again. And like I said, then I'll, you know, maybe have a cup of coffee or an energy drink or something. And then I get back into it in the evening until, you know, I'm ready to go back to bed and, you know, I don't stay up too late. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm in bed by midnight. Yeah. Um, cause you know, I, I don't, and I don't need eight hours sleep unless like I'm really run down. Like there's weeks where I will take, I will sleep in longer. Mm-hmm. And I know it because you can feel your body running down. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like I'm up before my alarm. You know, I'm like my mind. Like once I fall asleep because I'm exhausted, like when I wake up, my mind is already racing. It's like, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Come on, get up, get up, get up. So like it's it's the worst when I wake up at three, and I'm like, no, I have two hours. Come on. <laughs> oh, believe me, I I understand that. Uh, <laughs> there are so many times that I. Cause, uh, I work, I work in DC and I, I have to get up and, and take a train in early in the morning. Uh, so like I'm an early riser just for that, but I can tell you like, I'll wake up and I'm like, don't look at the clock. Don't look at the clock. And then I look at the clock and I go, Oh man, it's three o'clock in the morning. And my mind is like, my mind is in like full story mode. It's like, <laughs> We're ready. We're ready to break this this the story beat that you've been struggling with for for you know two three days. Like, let's do this right now. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, I just want to sleep. I just want to sleep. That that alarm clock's going to be going off pretty soon. But like, my mind is racing. So like, how much how much struggle is is that for you? I, I, it happens all the time. And I, you know what I find too, like. And I did this more before I got married because my wife would probably kick me now if I did it. Um, but I used to like keep a pen and pad by my bed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, cause my dreams, I think, I don't know if it's like my subconscious, like writing these stories in my head or what. Um, but a lot of my story content comes from my dreams mm-hmm. and I guess I, I don't want to forget them because a lot of them are actually really crazy good, you know? So I write it down, you know, like if I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, that was amazing. So I hurry up, turn the light on, right, right, right. And then I'm like, okay, bedtime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I don't do that as much as, you know, I would love to do that more. Um, but now it's it's kind of like I just lay there thinking about it and keep try to keep it in my mind until, you know, I'm like, okay, it's either I'm going to lose this or get up. So, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how tired I am at the moment, it's, you know, or how good it, it, my thought at the time was, you know, I'll just get up and just go into my office and then pound it out. <laughs> you're, 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 you're much better organized than I am. I, I do have the notebook, but I've many a time I've woken up and I've grabbed the phone and I've emailed myself so that when <laughs> I wake up, there's the, there's the email new email from myself hey remember this thing this is what you need to uh you need to cover and uh rework tomorrow so i've I've done both the notebook and emailing myself in in the morning yeah well that's i i despite how often i'm on a phone these days i'm not the fastest texter Mm-hmm. And, you know, I fat finger everything. Like, so autocorrect, like just jacks up everything. And I'm like, that's not what I meant. That's not, you know, <laughs> um, so if, for me, having that notepad is more beneficial because I can write faster, even with my like dyslexia, I know what I'm writing. 
Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if that makes sense or anything, but like, even if it's chicken scratch, I know what I, you know, what it is. Um, and I can do it a lot faster. I guess that's kind of like, you know, where you have like, um, you know, the short hand mm-hmm. for like secretaries is kind of like how it is for me. Um, but yeah, so it's like, I can write things faster than I can type it or text it. And generally I do work with like Microsoft word and, and for my stories, but like if I need to do something quickly, it's definitely on a notepad. It's like, <laughs> that's, that's pretty interesting. So, um, so with your dyslexia where you like kind of know what you like the, the stories in your head and like, you really know where it's going to go. Like how much do you struggle with making that clear to, to somebody else? Cause for myself, like, uh, I live with these stories like in my head, like Mm -hmm. six, eight months, if not longer. And like a lot of times, like if I write it, like I know, I know it. And like, but then I go back and I read it and I read it from like my perspective that like, I know what these people are doing and Mm -hmm. like, and like my mind is so fast that like, I don't see that I'm not being clear. So like, with your dyslexia, like how does that work for, for you to make sure that like, if you're writing something for an artist to, 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 to make sure that you're clear there. So, um, I'm like, even despite my dyslexia, because I think most, most of my problems with it is, is more from the reading standpoint when I'm actually typing it, it's my spelling is atrocious. That's my big issue. Like my spelling and grammar, I think is, is the worst part of it but the story is still there and i tend to bring that across uh, i think very well um my my wife and my editor ryan ratuna um they're the ones who clean that up you know okay. what i mean like they it, like the story's there and then if it, if it doesn't make sense they tend to be like do you mean this or do you mean this and then i tend to talk it through because the way i write my scripts is very um movie or cinematic or you know like a tv script if you will like i write it how i think the character sounds and how they talk um for example um a great example of this is my female werewolf is scottish so in my head i hear her talking and that's how i write her dialogue and um you know and that's how and the you know the same with like you know i imagine who the character would sound like, um, you know, and, and how they would talk and how things are. So I try and put character into how they're speaking in, you know, so like sometimes my spelling and grammar issues don't make a difference because that's sometimes how people talk, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, I think a lot, you know, a lot of times, it, you know, it is a pain in the butt, but, you know, spell between between spell check my wife and my editor you know i i it, it kind of helps clear that out of the way um and i you know like i said i think story-wise you know like if i have to explain a scene um i'm usually pretty descriptive about how i imagine it in my head whether or not um like i said i'm i'm missing a comma or a period or uh this huge word is misspelled, you know, <laughs> and, um, and, and going back to like how comic books help me read, um, it, the pictures help me put into context what the words actually said, mm-hmm. so, like small words are recognizable for me. So like, you know, was or a, or the, you know, those are so small that it's not an issue. The bigger the word is, the harder it is for me to decipher it. Mm-hmm. But when you put it into context, like if I, you know, as I'm reading something and I see, you know, in a comic, what they're talking about, I'm like, okay, that's what that word is. And then it's kind of like, okay, now I know what that is. Um, <laughs> and my wife hates when I read Dr. Seuss to my kids because I butcher it, mm-hmm. you know, all these nonsensical words, especially if it's the first time, like I, you know, all these like kid books that I'm, when I'm reading my kids, if it's a book I've read over it's more in memory at that point. Like mm-hmm. I'm just reciting it. You know what I mean? The only Dr. Seuss book that I can read perfectly is how the Grinch stole Christmas because I watched the cartoon so many times. 
that's that's really that's that's really cool like uh i have a lot of parallels with that like uh uh my wife is often the 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 first like beta reader for for me mm-hmm. and she is absolutely and completely not interested in comic books at all so like i'll go to her and i'll be like just read this and make sure it's clear like yeah. don't try to i like i understand that like you know, I'm going to go back and I'm going to fix some story beats, but like, as you, as the reader, I just want you to come in and tell me like, is this not clear to you? Like, so do you get a lot of that? Yeah. I, um, so I found that my, you know, my wife, she's never picked up a comic book in her life. Mm -hmm. Um, but she, I I call her a closet nerd Mm -hmm. because she introduced me to the walking dead. Okay. You know, like she introduced me to, uh, you know, true blood and, and like, Oh, I, I didn't watch TV from, I think after college on, I was always busy working on my stuff. And if I had free time, I was playing a video game, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but then when I met my wife, like she, I, like I actually sat down with her and watched TV with her because, you know, she, that she was an avid TV watcher. And, you know, so she made, she was like, sit down do, you know, and occasionally I'd work on my computer while we're watching TV. Um, but it's like to the point where it's like, if I'm interested, then I kind of put it down. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah. So tangent aside. Um, so she's never read a comic book, but she's read my scripts and she's enjoyed the story um, enough that, you know, that it helped me to kind of keep going with it because if somebody who's never read a comic book or enjoyed a comic book is enjoying the story, What's it, you know, that was like, oh, well, then how's this going to, this is going to be great for people who actually, you know, are into that, you know? Yeah. Um, so when you were watching those TV shows, like how much like uh, were you learning about like storytelling there? Um, I mean, probably the same amount as I, you know, because I started writing when I was really in, I want to say seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Was when I first started writing. So like, I've always been like, you know, in, in English again, uh, when, when we're diagramming like word sentences and stuff like that, terrible, absolutely terrible. But when we were doing literature, you know, I, I love a good story, mm-hmm. you know, and history in, you know, in American literature and all, all kinds of literature, it's, you know, the stories are really what I can associate with and what I, so I think I learned storytelling between, you know, my, my English classes and then movies, TVs, when I, you know, cause I watched when I was younger, you know, like I, and even like, I think my cliffhanger obsession came from watching Lost okay. <laughs> first season, you know, yeah. too, cause the, you know, when they were really good, <laughs> Um, cause every time like an episode and I was in college and I remember, um, my roommates and I, so I walked in before I started watching it. Um, there, you know, they, one of my roommates had bought the first season on DVD and I think they were at like, they're at the end of the first episode and I just walked in from class and like, I was like, Oh, what are you guys watching? You know? And so I sat down and then like, I remember like the, by the end of that season, like the la- at the that last episode, all of us jumped up and we're like, "What? No, <laughs> this can't end like this." <laughs> so I think that that was something that I, I um, you know, I hadn't. I don't think I played with cliffhangers that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I purposely, you know, had I started reworking a lot of my script so that like things would en- would end like in a specific cliffhanger rather than just being like, "Oh, well, this is." you know, this is how this part ends. And then another part starts, you know what I mean? Like, no, I wanted to end in the middle of something that people are going to be like, no. (laughs) And I've actually, um, I went to Boston Comic-Con, not this past summer, but the August before. Mm -hmm. And I remember a a gentleman and his wife bought my first two issues. um, Because I I think that was, that was the first show that I had issue two at. Um, And he was there, they were there all three days. And he came back, I think on, so he bought on day one and on day two, he came back and he said, he come up and he said, you mother effer. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what did I do? He's like, you left me on a cliffhanger. And then, then you know, I'm like, Hey, you know, it's, 
and keeps coming back for more, right? He's like, you better put this one out quick. <laughs> and here we are over a year later with issue three. <laughs> Did you ask him if he's ever read any like Spider-Man comics or Daredevil comics? Uh, you know, cause all of those, you know, that's, that's, yeah. that's the, Hey, we've, we've told a story, but we're giving you that little inkling to, yeah. to make you come yeah. back next month. So he should, yeah, yeah. he should have known that was coming. Yeah, you would think so. Um, and I'm not really sure. Like, he didn't specifically say whether or not he read a lot of comics or not. Because mm-hmm. I get a lot of, like, first-timers, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I actually, um, at in Cleveland, somebody came up to me and was like, oh, this is my first comic book. I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, cool. I'm glad to be your um, your your first one, you know? Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I, it, I think a lot of, like, story arc, too, like, that I learned – you know, and with the lettering and stuff like that, a lot of stuff I learned from reading comic books and seeing how the greats did it and knowing what I like, you know, versus like what I didn't like, you know what I mean? Like, cause yeah. they, you, know, you, you know, like if you're reading Spider-Man, like they sometimes have great storylines and then there's the ones that are just filler or they just bombed, mm-hmm. you know? And, and you know, you know, if it, if it doesn't entertain you, then you're kind of like, meh. So I think learning a lot of like what worked and what didn't work was just from my own personal enjoyment, you know? Yeah. So more on the, like the storytelling side, like uh, how much do you like put into like, uh, like character development? Cause for myself, like I tend to be like a, uh, like a concept guy and I'm like, Oh, that's, a, this is a really cool concept. And like, I want to dive in, but then I'm like, I need to make, these characters uh you know people that the 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 readers care about so how do you balance like you know the cool werewolf concept with like you know relatable characters that are turning into werewolves and you know going crazy at night (laughs) so yeah um you know like i said i I try to put things like as, as much as it's not realistic because you know obviously there's no werewolves or supernatural things right so as i want to try and put it where it's something believable Mm -hmm. um so i i develop the characters with a personality and i put them in situations that are real um that real people can you know can feel like they that they've either felt or you know situations that you know they're like hey i've been there i know what that's like you know and regardless of whether they're they're, you know, hairy werewolves or not, you know? Um, so I try to put as much realism into my stories and characters as much as possible, as well as, um, you know, my character building also, I think, comes from a lot of my world building mm-hmm. or my mythology, if you will. Um, I, I take a different spin on, like, mythology and theology um, with my characters because you know, I like to put explanations behind things. And if I don't understand how something works, my mind will just constantly be like, Oh, well, this is how it is, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kind of applied that into my stories and, um, the backgrounds. Um, for example, um, the reason I say about mythology and theology kind of blending together, um, my, like, so in my stories, uh, so there's obviously like the higher power, if you will, it's kind of like God or whatever religion people believe in. Um, and then there's like the, there's the celestial beings, which are basically, so they're broken into three groups. Um, these celestials are like, um, so like the seraphim are like, you know, kind of like the angels and how people perceive them to be mm-hmm. and like the fallen or like the demons and how, you know, this is what people, you know, how they came up with, Oh, well, this is what these things are. Um, and then like the mythology, like the, um, you know, the like Greek and Norse and um, Roman gods, they're, uh, they're called the mythics. And they basically present themselves as gods to all, you know, to humans along the lines of, you know, through history. But they're really like, you know, so like, for example, you have Zeus and Jupiter and, you know, and Odin being like all the, you know, there's it's very similar because in, in my story, they are the same, you know, being mm-hmm. same, you know, same with the other gods, they all portray themselves, you know, but in the same, they're just these celestial beings. 
Very cool. So uh, I'm pretty excited about this book. Uh, you know, I've backed this on Kickstarter, but uh, why don't you let people know where they can find you online so that they can uh, check out this Kickstarter? So um, if you go to Lone Wolf Comics slash Nightwolf, um, that'll direct you to the uh, Kickstarter page. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're on um, LoneWolfComics.com and uh, we're also on Facebook. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Lone Wolf Comics. And uh, we're also, you know, we're on uh, a few other ones, you know, like DeviantArt, but, you know, um, I didn't get the tag for that. So it's not as easy to remember. (laughs) Oh, no worries. Uh, So before we finish up, uh, just a little bit of, uh, for anybody who's running a Kickstarter, you know, I might be running a Kickstarter right now. How do you keep your sanity during, during the Kickstarter? Um, you know what? It's been fast paced since I, I launched on Wednesday morning mm-hmm. and it's, you know, again, like having a full-time job and doing the family, it's like that same, okay, now I got to do this. You know, I, it's hard to keep up with. I mean, you know, when I was doing the, the, with the covers being unlocked at certain levels, like a 25% and 50%, um, and then like showing the, the backer bonuses, like I was barely keeping up and so it's it's like okay gotta do this i have a minute i'm gonna put this in you know um so and i think having a lot of preparation because knowing like what you want to do and how you want to break things up Mm -hmm. um, i think helps and having the assets readily available um dropbox helps me so much because it's on all my computers like no matter where i am i got i got access to what i need you know um, so I think that's one sanity check there is having Dropbox or something that you can easily access your files. Um, and then just like I said, having a plan mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, and sometimes, and just, and don't, don't be stuck on this plan because it's not going to happen the way you want it to, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, be flexible, be flexible and just, you know, like try and keep the excitement. You know, like I, I'm super excited. Like I've been, you know, like, I feel like, like I said, going nonstop since Wednesday and, you know, I, I, it's just watching the, you know, my wolf pack grow and, and respond. And, you know, uh, it just, I think it's, it, that's been helpful um, as well as like just keeping my excitement going and keeping their excitement going. So I feel like we're feeding off each other, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good advice. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, also the, uh, don't hit that refresh button on the, uh, on the page, like every, every yeah. 30 seconds. Cause exactly. when, when, when something yeah. doesn't happen, you're like, Oh, it's, 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 it's not going well. And you're, yeah, you, yeah. You, you're just yeah. there refreshing the page all the time. Exactly. Don't, don't, don't do that. Yeah. Do, you know, like in that, I think that's, what's nice about being at work, you know, most of the day is that I'm not looking at it cause I can't mm-hmm. like, so you know, when I get it, like I said, I get a free minute. If I'm in between something, I'll look. And I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> I got to do something. You know, so it, it is. Not, it, so don't don't drive yourself crazy staring at your phone or staring at the page. You know, just check it every couple hours because really, that's I think going to be because if you're staring at it and you're like, oh, I haven't gotten anything in like ten minutes or a half hour or an hour, you know, it's going to drive you nuts. Don't. Oh, don't stare at the phone. Don't stare at the screen. Do other things to keep your mind off of it until it's time to check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. No, it's like uh, there's been occasions where um, I'm pretty lucky that I, I can work from home. And, uh, you know, my lunch hour, I'll go out and I'm like, I just need to get out of the house. And, uh, you know, I'll go for a run. And, like, I won't look at my phone for, you know, however long I can run. Um, I can never run for an hour. It, it's closer. It's closer to a half hour to 40 minutes, but right. like, you know, I'll get there and uh, I haven't looked at my phone and I was looking, I'm like, Hey, you got a backer. And I'm like, you know what? That was, that was 40 minutes of, of not looking at my phone and yeah. just to be pleasantly surprised. Right. Yeah. And so. then you're super stoked about it too, because then you're like, all right, you know, because not looking at it and then eventually going back to it, it gives you that like, yeah, because every, because it's almost every time you look at it, you have a new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, all right. So I'm going to link your social media and your, your Kickstarter in the, the show notes for this. But, uh, if anybody wants to give, uh, the podcast a follow, we are on Twitter at construct compod. 
Uh, we're on Instagram at Constructed Comics Pod, and we are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Constructed Comics. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel um, under the same name of Constructed Comics, where we sometimes do some of the more visually heavy uh, episodes and uh, links for our stuff and Rob's stuff will be in the, the show notes. And I want to thank everybody for listening and encourage everybody to go out and make some art and make some comics. And we'll be back with a, another episode uh, very soon. Uh, thank you. <laughs>